0: hey everyone welcome back to the she's invincible podcast we are so excited to bring you our amazing guest today nicole lewis kieber she is the founder owner of nicole lewis kieber coaching she's a business therapist and mindset coach who works with entrepreneurs to create and nurture healthy relationships with their businesses. She's a licensed clinical social worker with a master's in social work and rich experience from working as a therapist. Certified in Brene Brown's The Daring Way and Dare to Lead methodologies, she's been featured on numerous media outlets, including Fast Company and NPR, for her work in Breaking the Stigma of Mental Health and Business Ownership. Nicole writes and speaks about the impact of small trauma on businesses, and her biggest, more important work is in combining therapeutic processes with business coaching to help entrepreneurs build emotionally sustainable and financially successful businesses. (laughs) Welcome, Nicole. it's so great to have you here with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, isn't it funny when someone reads your bio and you're like, she talking about me and yet, you know, we're the ones who submit it, but I love that. And let me just say, congratulations on all of the things that you've done. You know, many people will go to college and get a degree and they'll just work that degree and that's great, but girl, you are just keeping it going and I love that.
1: Yes, I've lived many lifetimes for someone of my age, <laughs> that's
0: for <laughs> yes, sure. And you know, the world is forever changing, especially the business world, right? And so if you don't keep up with it, you're going to get left behind. And I just love all the things that you're doing. Thank you. So tell us, our listeners, uh, who, who you are, where, how did you get where you are right now? And what makes you invincible?
1: oh my gosh, you were just talking about the world of business constantly changing. And I just had this moment in my mind, I'm like, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would own a business. Like it was not on my radar at all. You know, as you said, I went to college, I got a master's degree in social work. You know, my plan for my life was to be in you know some kind of social work position or, you know, as a therapist, and maybe I would own my own very, very small private practice, you know, as a therapist. And that's about the extent of what I saw for myself when it came to my future and my career. Um, and so I was, I was, you know, a therapist or in some kind of clinical capacity for 18 years after I graduated with my master's and you name it, I've done it. I've worked in, you know, substance abuse, mental health, uh, EAP, military, you name it, I have done it and I've worked with those people. And, um, So the fact that I now um, not only have a business, but have a business, so it's kind of on the cutting edge, you know, where we combine, you know, therapeutic knowledge with coaching and business, it's a little bit of a weird juxtaposition to be in, but I'm kind of sitting here and I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm kind of excited about where I've come from. So you know, just to add to detail really quickly, after 18 years of being a therapist, I was pretty burnt out and crispy. I don't know about you, but pe- a lot of people who work in the service industry when you're working with people, it can be a bit much. And those systems are not really in place to support the employees and the people who work for them. So you kind of have a lot of stress coming at you from a lot of different areas. And so I had actually ended up leaving that arena of work because I was having weird like migraine symptoms and stuff like that. And I knew it was time for me to take a break. Uh, And I left the world of, you know, therapy. I was the, my last job, real job was as a clinical supervisor in a methadone clinic. So I had a really big responsibility there. Um, And so I left and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew it was going to be something very different, but still work with people. Um, And so I, I leapt and, you know, took that big leap and jumped out of that, uh, you know, corporate therapeutic environment and started my journey to having a business slowly, but got here. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: amazing. That's amazing. And, you know, just looking at the world and business today and the changes and the way that companies are pivoting um are you feeling like wow you're in the right place at the right time like this what you're doing and and pursuing right now is the missing link that has been missing in business for
1: many many years yeah absolutely do we you know we have been conditioned to believe that you know you leave who you are at the door. You know, when you come into business, you know, when you come into your job, your career, you disenfranchise a part of yourself by leaving it at the door. And that's not who we are as human beings. You know, Brene um, Brown says who you are is how you lead and who you are is how you create your business and all of the parts of you and all the experiences come with you into that business. So for me to be in this place, to be able to share uh, this knowledge with people that all of your experiences build your skill sets as a business owner, and can also create challenges around being a business owner, and that we have to look at all of it to have this intersection of, you know, um, trauma therapy, uh, business, and coaching all come together right here. I think it's perfect timing because where we are right now is a, a place of um, uncertainty. And it can be very difficult and challenging for folks. And so when we can bring all those pieces together and say, hey, let's, you know, let's be a human in this environment. Let's honor all of who you are. People can open up and they can, they just can open up and be a little bit more relaxed and self-compassionate, compassionate with themselves. That's what I'm trying to get to. self yeah,
0: I I love that. I love that. And you know, that is what makes us unique. You know, there's so many people in the world that do the same thing that I do or the same thing that you do. But as you said, it's like, it's how you lead is, is, you know, what you're representing here. And that's what makes each of us unique in what we do, even if we're doing the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's no other Nicole Lewis Kieber. So no matter if there's a million people that do what you do, you're the only one that can do it the way you do it. And you know, that's what people need. And yeah. so I'd love that. I just, I really love like that association. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So tell us what happened next.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really love to tell a story because I want people to see just because you, know, you went to college and someone told you who you were going to be or even what your career could look like. Cause when you think about being a social worker, you know, you, you come a, a percentage of money comes to mind. The type of work you do comes to mind. Right. And if we don't question, hey, is this really true for me, then we tend to walk down the path that other people have created or led for us. Um, But when you can think about what's possible for you outside of that structure, you know, the world's your oyster, basically. And so when I made the choice to leave the comfort of this structured work environment, because it wasn't working for me anymore, and I gave myself the opportunity to look at what what could possibly be next for me, Um, I actually ended up working with a a Martha Beck certified life coach to figure out, you know, I got some coaching uh, to see what could be possible for me. And I really enjoyed the model of coaching and, you know, and someone who was a therapist and, you know, went into, you know, the coaching world, this was my first experience with a coach and I saw how beautiful the process was and I wanted to do that myself and so I started this journey of, okay, so I want to be a coach. What does that mean? I think I'm perfectly situated to do this because I have you know, all this experience as a therapist and I know how people operate and how can I do this? And so I ended up working, um, getting a certified to be a money mindset coach. And that is where all of my work in the world that I do now started right there and beginning to define and understand how people value themselves and how things can get in the way of that. Um, And so I started being a money mindset coach. And my, my journey has been ongoing ever since then. And I've combined my therapeutic experiences around coaching and money and all the things. So it's an interesting way to bring all of who you are and all of your experiences right here, right now into what you do. And As you said earlier, I feel like that my moment is now and it's never been more perfect to bring all of those things to bear. But you have to jump. You have to leap out of that system, those structures around you that aren't working for you and create your own way, right? And so that's what I did.
0: I love that. That That's amazing. And so tell us what makes you invincible.
1: I, I think that what makes me invincible is that I... Thankfully, y'all may not know this, but thankfully, I was a very rebellious teenager, you know, like the whole nine black hair, my boyfriend had a mohawk, you know, I pushed the edge all the time, people just don't, they are so surprised when they hear this, always pushing the edge. And always saying, just because it's always been that way doesn't mean I think it needs to stay that way. And that has is really and honestly what's made me invincible over my lifetime, and as an adult is to say, do I, you know, enough full transparency, is this marriage working for me? No, it was not, you know, high school, it, you know, sweetheart didn't work for me. It was not where I needed to stay. And so for me, it was just because it's always been this way and people say you have to stay. For me, I ended up leaving and creating, a, you know, a new path for myself. So I think that invincible piece for me has always been to say, just because you say it's this way, and just because it's always been this way, does not mean it works for me. And so I'm going to find my new way, and that's across the board everywhere.
0: I love that, I, and that really gives you freedom, right? To just figure out what works best for you, and mm-hmm. just shut the world out.
1: And that's not yeah. easy to do. Because at the end of the day, it's your story, right? At the end of the day, it's your job, it's your business, it's your career, your life. You know, and it makes it easier to be invincible when you're the one calling the shots and you created the environment to be successful. That's amazing. Great, great perspective. So now you're doing
0: some work around trauma conscious entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit more about that. That sounds so interesting.
1: Right, right. So, um, so about two years into my own business, um, never been a business owner before. Um, I was beginning to struggle in my business and was feeling uh, like maybe I didn't want to keep it. You know, like I was bumping up a lot of, against a lot of resistance, things were not working out the way I wanted them to, and I was feeling really depleted. Um, and I kept asking myself, I'm like, you know, I didn't start a business to feel this way again, right? I left those environments, so I didn't feel beat up, exhausted, and you know, uh, depleted, and so what I recognized pretty quickly in the first two years of my business is that I was replicating old trauma patterns from um, you know previous relationships and like, you know, relationships with authority figures in my own business. And I got very curious about this. Instead of beating myself up, I got curious and I started to understand that um, when we create something, When we bring who we are to something, be it a business, be it a project, a book, like when we create something, we bring all of us to that, um, to that project. And I had brought some old trauma patterns in relationships uh, to my business. And so I went down this path of trying to figure out like, how does this work? Why would someone do this? Why did I do this? How do I see my clients doing this? And it completely opened up the entire world for me to say that there is an intersection between childhood trauma and how people um, operate in their businesses and let me just say that many many people who are entrepreneurs are entrepreneurial because they had childhood challenges that created a skill set for them that really works in small business ownership and entrepreneurship thinking out of the box having the buck stop with you taking ownership and responsibility for all the things um seeing outside of the lines um because you had to you had to figure it out you had to make your own way and rely on yourself right and that's an amazing skill set that I see play out in a lot of business owners and the flip side of that is that those challenges that you had that create this amazing skill set can play out unconsciously for you and derail your business in some ways. And so it started this exploration for me on how trauma impacts entrepreneurship, um, which then led to me to kind of study how, you know, how can you be a more trauma conscious entrepreneur to help you have a business that's successful, but also kind of, you know, be conscious of that with the people around you, whether it's a partner, an employee, a client, so that you can do less harm in the world and we can begin to disrupt some of these patterns that just keep playing out and playing out and playing out. Um, around us and so that's what it means that's how I got here to be set to study trauma and the intersection of entrepreneurship and what that means for us why it's a why it builds entrepreneurs and how we can support people who are entrepreneurial that had childhood trauma
0: that's amazing that is just uh you're right. I love what you said about it being the intersection, right? Because that's the truth, right? And I guess I I think of myself, like I had a head on collision at that intersection, right? And a lot of people do, but they don't even know what hit them. And so, yeah. So can we stay here for a few minutes Mm -hmm. and let's talk about, I have a couple questions. questions. My first one would be like, how do you identify? I'm sure, you know, you've got some tips and things like that to share, but like, how do you even identify that that is what is happening? That'd be my first question.
1: Yeah. So my first answer is that a lot of people think that they don't, that some of the experiences that they had when they were kiddos is not trauma, right? Um, Cause we think of trauma as big things like PTSD, violence, you know, like a catastrophic illness, like the big once and done type stuff that changes your life. Um, and, and because that's a very narrow definition of trauma, a lot of people are walking around with childhood trauma that don't realize it, right? Um, And so therefore, if you don't realize something, it can embed in the things that you do in your life, your relationships, your business, all things. So the very first thing I would say is be open to the idea that you had childhood trauma. (laughs) Um, Because there's another type of trauma, which we call small t trauma or little t trauma that many of us experienced where there are cumulative experiences that we have in our childhood, events that add up to make us see ourselves differently. They erode our, our our sense of self-worth, what is possible for us. It takes us off the path that maybe we would have stayed on if we had not had those experiences. And it can be anything from being bullied to being the only kid in your friend group who has a single parent. It can be anything um, that, happens over time to make you that changes the way you see about yourself so I always like to say to people that's where we start we have to define it and we have to get clear and you have to it has to be okay like there's no shame in that game right um many of it I always say if you got out of childhood with no trauma then you know you didn't live here so we have to just acknowledge it right and then we begin to look at okay so what's working in what is not working for me in my business right now Is it, do I have staffing issues? Um, Am I not reaching my revenue goals? Um, Am I feeling resentful because I'm always doing all the things, even though I have staff? Um, So we start to look at like, what's not working for you in your business? So we can get underneath it to see if there's a pattern of behavior or belief about yourself that might be playing out in the business structures or relationships that you have in the the business that you created. Right. So we kind of have to like go back and start to bring it forward to figure out what is not working for you.
0: Well, this is a perfect thing for you to be teaching, considering your, you know, background in therapy and mental health and things where you can try, you know, put things together and figure these things out, which I think is so important too, right? You don't want an amateur trying to figure out your childhood. If it was already messing you up, the last thing you need is to be messed up even further, right? Exactly. So is there any... Uh, one common, like more common than other mm-hmm. childhood trauma that you see
1: most people are suffering from? Yeah, so it's so what I would say is that um, what I see most is that people who start a business will try to prove something, right? They have some experience where someone didn't believe in them or maybe they got picked on. Um, you know, or it may like, you know, I got called lazy, I had a learning disability. So I got called lazy all the time, right. Um, and so whatever it may be, is that they're trying to fix that problem in their business. So they want to have a successful business to say, I'll show you, or to rebel against something or to finally prove that they're worthy in some kind of way. So whatever that experience may be for that person across the board, that can be different. It is that they're trying to solve and prove something with their business to um, kind of harken back to that experience, and that doesn't work. And when you can get clear about the fact that that doesn't work, because you will never allow yourself to get there, right? Because you're you're trying to create solve an emotional problem with a business solution that doesn't work. I trust me, it does not work. Um, that is what I see happening most for people in their own particular way. And listen, you don't have to be a therapist to be able to recognize this. You know, I recognize it because. First of all, I'm a therapist, a coach, and it happened to me, and I have my own childhood trauma. So perfectly situated to figure this out. But you don't have to be that to figure it out for yourself. You can start to see, you know, what things are not, what relief are you not getting in your business that you would like to have, and then ask yourself those questions. Like, you know, if I'm feeling like my staff are not supporting me and doing their job, am I getting in the way of that? Who do they remind me of? So there's inquiry that you can go through yourself to figure that, out. And it doesn't have to be big and scary either. It's just, we don't ask ourselves these questions when it comes to our business. No one says, you know, we don't drop our baggage at the door when we start a business and no one asks us how we want to feel about it. They just ask us what our sales you know, funnel is going to be like or what product we're going to sell. So.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. how long of a process is this when, you know, uh, from, you know, first identifying, you know, what those traumas were to how it's showing up in your life or business right now to actually, uh, you know, a plan, uh, you know, I don't know, is it a daily plan? Like how, how do you actually fix that? Yeah. You know what it is, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Right. You're like, it I got it. it. I know what it is. I know what it's doing. How do I get rid of this, overcome it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it, it, it depends on who you are and kind of what the situation is. Um, however, you know, I've been doing this long enough and doing the research enough that I know what categories these, these experiences tend to show up in, which are money, visibility, Trust and um, control like they they tend to play out those places, and so um you know now I've gotten it down to a place where I can actually take people through this within about a six to eight week process again, we're not digging into the the details of your trauma, but what we're looking at is giving you a framework to to figure to ask yourself some questions to figure out like what might be playing out here and how can I recognize it so we've gotten it down to a place where people can move through it at a high level, not have to roll around too much into the, the low, you know, the lower emotion of it and figure out the pattern for themselves in those categories. That
0: is amazing. So, so basically somebody who's been maybe wandering around the world aimlessly for 40 years, trying to be successful in business (laughs) can go through your workshop and get a handle on things in six to eight weeks. That's that is amazing. So, yeah. yay! Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Awesome. That's what research does. Yeah, <laughs> it that's distills right. and
1: distills it. Yeah, it synthesizes it down into a process. Yeah.
0: That is amazing. I love that. And that that is great work that you're doing because I think right now, even people who have been very successful right now are having to work even harder and pull out all they have uh, and put it on the table to get the same or close to result in this new, I don't want to call it a new normal, but this, after, you know, as we move through the pandemic and whatever mm-hmm. things look like after that. And so the, I think like this is where even, wouldn't you agree some of these things are going to show up more now than ever as we, yeah, as we try to like pivot and go to this next place and navigate some things we can do like the back of our hand, but other things are going to dig. You have to dig deeper. And this this could be a big flag, like flying, like, Hey, look at me. I'm your childhood trauma. Right. And I'm going to stop you. Yeah. Okay. So we have to fight back.
1: So yeah, have- no, I've, I've been telling people, I'm like, listen, if you didn't have childhood trauma, you're being traumatized now. <laughs> like what we're going That's through very- is very traumatic. And so, you know, those patterns are going to show up. And, um, you know, Brene Brown always talks about like, and we're in crisis, there's ways that we function. Some people over function in crisis some people under-function in crisis. And we're seeing that play out right now where people rush in and they try and solve everything and they get really dizzy. And you see other people who pull back and are frozen because they under-function when they're in a crisis. And so then you have those two personalities kind of pitted up against each other because the over-functioner is mad at the under-functioner and the under-functioner is beating themselves up because they can't do the thing yet. You know, so yes, we're, we are watching that play out in a lot of arenas. This is something that we need to pay attention to because people are being triggered because we don't have a way forward that we understand. There's no function or structure or blueprint or way of doing things that we really do rely on for our nervous systems to function right now. So we really just have to be, give ourselves more grace, give each other grace and do whatever we can to manage our nervous systems and have a lot of self-compassion.
0: This is like, this could be a week-long episode, couldn't it? I mean, there's so many things to talk about. At some point, we could have you come back and we can share, you know, as we move to the other side of this mm-hmm. and things open up and people start to see some of those new things that they haven't noticed before uh, that are challenging them, it would be great to have you share some more on that next level. Sure. So I, I'm glad you mentioned Brene Brown, because I would love to talk a little bit about that and about how how did you end up? journeying into that area and uh, what are what is the work that you're doing there
1: so again she's a social worker so yay social workers and you know I didn't you don't see a lot of social workers out there who have you know TED talks and um, you know best-selling books and if celebrity status in the way that she does and if you've never heard of her that's okay you know there's tons of people who haven't and I'd say go look her up um, she has one of the most viewed TED talks that there is Um, But, you know, I've been following her for many years. I've read all of her books. And because she, you know, is someone who talks about a topic that people shy away from shame and vulnerability. And I have a topic that people shy away from trauma and entrepreneurship. She really has been a model for me on how to trailblaze a topic and put your head down and not let the naysayers hold you back. And so I heard a rumor a couple of years ago that she was going to offer up a certification process on the dare to Lead processes. Cause she wrote a book called dare to Lead several years ago um, and that she was going to teach it um, and that they were taking a certain amount of people to do this work. And so as soon as applications opened up, I applied I brought all of the social work experience to bear, the business experience to bear. And I was so lucky to be one of, I think there's only about 700 of us. And that doesn't sound, that sounds like a lot, but it's not when you think about the population of the world, because it was worldwide. (laughs) One of 700 who got picked to come be in a cohort with her last July uh, to, no, June. To train to be a certified Dare to Lead practitioner facilitator, and so she trained us for those three three days. Uh, taught us how to do a keynote on this topic, how to lead people through on a team through this uh, framework, how to invite people into uh, certification programs to learn how to be a certified Dare to Lead professional, because. The processes that she's lined out, laid out here, and it's actually grown over the last year, they are life-changing because for her, she says, who you are is how you lead, right? You have got to learn self-leadership before you can be an amazing leader, and that's what this is all about, and we are being called to be courageous leaders right now in ways that we never imagined. And so the work is so relevant, um, and I'm not going to lie Being in a room with Brene and getting to spend three days with her was fantastic. Um, It was life-changing and was such a beautiful experience. She's an amazing human being. That is
0: amazing. And again, I find myself thinking, oh my gosh, like how timely, right? That who knew last summer when you entered into this that we were going to be in a place this year where the world needed exactly what you were equipped to deliver. I, mm-hmm. it gives me chills, honestly, to think, you know, that we're so busy making plans for life and for the future. And yet the universe has it all figured out, right? They know what yeah. we need when we need it. And if we would just, I, I think too many times we, um, because of fear or lack of courage, or like you say, like even the effects of these traumas keep us from jumping, from saying yes to the things that we're called to, and then we're not there and we're not positioned and we're not ready for what's coming next. But in your case, these both times you did that, aren't you so grateful Mm -hmm. when you look around to think like, wow, I could have been one of those people that hid behind fear?
1: Yeah, because it took a lot of courage to put that application in. Like it, it really did. It took a lot of courage to get on that plane and fly to San Antonio and be in this room with these amazing people. Like there were people from all walks of life there, people who are in corporate settings, you know, coaches, um, pastors, ministers, people from South Africa, people from Australia, across the board, these amazing humans in this room. And to not feel like you're an imposter in there. Like it took a lot of courage to apply and then to show up. And she said something to us that first day. She said, you were vetted, you were chosen, you belong here, right? Because only a certain amount of percent, I think there were thousands and thousands of people who applied, you know, so we were a very small percentage. She said, you were vetted, you were chosen, you belong here and i wrote it down amazing. on my workbook <laughs> i bet you did <laughs> and i keep reminding myself that every time that's right and do you hear her
0: words when you when you say it to yourself you hear mm-hmm. her words that's like mm-hmm. she's brilliant too because she affirmed you in that moment knowing that no matter you know we go through all of the things right mm-hmm. the cycle of you know the imposter syndrome and the fears and the doubts and the insecurities and that she affirmed you in that way that you could continue to self-coach and affirm yourself when those things happen later when you weren't in the room and she wasn't on the stage and that is brilliant
1: right and do it scared that's the that's the thing do it scared anyway like apply show up do it scared
0: Yes. And I was going to say that I was going to ask you more about that is that, you know, it seems that that's kind of been uh, a symbol of the things that you've, the way you've lived your life. So do you have a few tips to give our listeners about how do you do it scared? Like how does Nicole Lewis Kieber do it? Like what are some of the thought process that you go through when you're faced with something like that, that gets you to the other side and it's a positive outcome?
1: Yeah, so I'm reminded of Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, in the book, Big Magic, which really changed my life and changed my business, um, that fear is expected, right? Um, Fear is a a mechanism of our biology. That inner critic, it's there for a reason. We're not meant to shut it down and kill it. You know, it's, it's there for, it has a message for us and fear does too. They have a mechanism in our life. They're there to work with us and for a reason. And so in Elizabeth Gilbert's you know, book, big magic, she talks about that fear gets to come along for the ride. It does not get to choose the destination. I'm going to make them do this wrong, but does it get to choose the destination? Can't even choose what plays on the radio, right? Don't even get to make a, a sound choice, but we honor your presence here and you can come along for this road trip because we know you belong here because you are a part of who we are as human beings and you have a, you have a purpose. And so that's part of what I remind myself is no one said that you would not be afraid we were never promised that. In fact, we need fear, a healthy amount of stress, a healthy amount of fear. It keeps us safe, right? It's there for a reason, but it doesn't get to direct us and it doesn't get to choose the destination. And for me doing it scared, it, that is exactly what that is. And so that's what I tell people. I'm like, if you think I'm not afraid, you're wrong, you know? And, and even Brene has said, if you think that I'm not standing up here shaking every time I do a keynote, you would be wrong. If you think all these people that you see or who are amazing leaders are not afraid and are brave, you would be wrong. And that's what it comes down to for me is that fear belongs in the back seat. We don't get to, ex- to exile it. And so when I can come to terms with the fact that I can do this and still be afraid and it doesn't have any impact on my value, that's how I get there.
0: I love that so much. I can't even tell you. I think I'm going to make a banner for the wall in my office that fear gets to come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Omg, that is that is so profound. Uh, and I, uh, that you know, sometimes you hear a message and it hits you because of where you are. I mm-hmm. think that is amazing. So okay, so tell us two things uh, since we're talking about Brene Brown and that stuff. Tell us about your next Brene Brown workshop that you're doing. What is it called? Uh, when is it? How can people register to attend?
1: So I have the distinct honor <laughs> of co-facilitating her work with um, a woman by the name of Patrice Dunkley, who is an expert in my mind, she would be humble about it, Um, but she's an expert in diversity, equity, inclusion, which is so important when you're thinking about leadership, right, Um, and so we have been co-facilitating this work in three cohorts over the past year, and we have another one that'll be starting on October 1st, and it is the Dare to Lead Leadership Intensive, It is a certification process, so it takes some time. I always like to tell people we have five sessions of four hours. This is to get you certified, not for you to have a base level of understanding. It is to certify you in the Dared Lead processes. And at the end of it, you get to say, I'm a a certified Dare to Lead trained professional. You get a certificate, you get a LinkedIn badge, all the things. And so that starts again October 1st. And if anyone is interested in doing that, I I can give you a link, um, you know, for the Eventbrite, or please just feel free to reach out to me at Nicole at lewis-kieber.com and say, you know, Dare to Lead Cohort. And I'm happy to talk with you to see if it if it's a fit for you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, I could also put your link in the show notes. So Absolutely. anyone listening can just click on the show notes and they can get all the links mm-hmm. to everything that we're talking about today here. Okay, and the next question is, tell us, I know you have your um, your workshop coming up uh through your coaching company that is uh trauma consciousness entrepreneur mm-hmm. so let's talk uh, tell us when is that how can they get registered for that who would want to come to that right, what kind of people right. so yeah. if
1: you yeah if, so if you're an entrepreneur small business owner a coach healer you know someone who business coach if you are someone who works with people where their emotions are involved in any kind of way, you know, you could be marketer, you work on people with their sales funnel. Like if you are working with people, you are working with trauma. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And so um, this intensive, it's called the do no harm intensive, how to have a trauma-free business and do no harm to your people, your processes and your profits. And this is the culmination of all the research I've done, all the experience I have. Like it is, it is right here in this six week intensive. And again, it is a high level introduction to this. We are not gonna roll around in your childhood trauma specifically. (laughs) It is an an introduction to how you can understand, begin to understand childhood trauma's impact on you and also the people that you are working with, the people that you are engaging with, and also your processes around your business to do less harm in your marketing. You know, the language that you use is so important. Um, And so, Enrollment starts for that on August 31st through the 8th of September. We'll take a few stragglers if you're, you know, if you're still interested. We start on the 23rd of September, though. So we'll be, be done uh, enrolling by the 21st, I think would probably make sense. Um, and so it's a six-week intensive. We meet every week for 90 minutes um, with some other amazing human beings. And we're going to do some work around this topic and why you should why you should care about it. And I just want to clarify too, this is virtual, right? Both yes. uh,
0: both are virtual. Which, All virtual. What a blessing, right? Very in, much in, so. Uh, oh my gosh. Like I'm just so grateful uh, that I, I personally have been able to attend more things because everything is virtual now mm-hmm. that, and, And the thing, it's just really, uh, there's so many positives about that for business owners and for the students who want to learn. So awesome. So we'll make sure we have the links in there for the show notes. Oh gosh, this has been so great. So, you know, Nicole, we are the She's Invincible podcast. And part of uh, what we promise our listeners is that we are going to, we're going to bring on fierce female entrepreneurs, which obviously, you fit the bill 150%. Um, and not only are we going to share your brilliance and your genius and all the things that you've learned in your journey and the, and the ways that you're impacting the world today, but we're going to let them in the back door and mm-hmm. we're going to share the journey with them because women, especially, who are most of our listeners, are busy comparing themselves to other successful people and they're always coming up short and uh, they, they, what they see of, from you is, you know, the successful Nicole Lewis Kieber who's self-confident and has self-esteem and is stepping into that fear, right? Leaning into it and jumping and doing it anyway. And they, they haven't heard the story, the background, they never saw your struggle. So they only see this polished, successful woman that you are today. Mm-hmm. And so I promised them that we would share the good, the bad, and the ugly, of your journey. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do that right now. So the first thing I would love for you to tell us about is the good. We Mm -hmm. always want to start with the good. Share something good or great about your journey um, that you
1: celebrated. What is good is that I have a business on my terms. And this business has loved me through some gnarly bits in the past five years. And so what is good is that I have done this work so that I can create a business that I love and that loves me back. um, That I get to live out my values and what matters to me in a way that I never thought possible through my business. And that I get to train with people like Brene Brown and get to bring her work to the world with some amazing people across the board. Like you said, virtually earlier, we have people in our cohorts from all over and they get to know each other. It's so beautiful. And so that is what is so good about my life is that I don't have to not be myself in my business. I don't have to replicate patterns that are not useful. Um, And I get to have not only financial freedom within my business, but also a schedule that works for me and that I get to have ease in, right? It it is also very good. And I pinch myself most days that, gosh, that, you know, social worker who was burnt out and underpaid and had no options gets to do this work and gets to, to make this kind of money, do this kind of work and have this kind of say like, just what, (laughs) what,
0: I know. It's what? hard to believe, right? I know. know. You're like, really? So let me ask you this. At what point in your journey did you actually realize this?
1: I think I think that I really realized it when um after I kind of realized what I was doing in my own business that's bad, is bad. When I realized I was creating, you know, these old trauma patterns in my business and that it was not loving or supportive. It was actually quite bad. Um When I recognized that it was trauma and the people around me, um, in fact, my business coach tried to get me not to use the word trauma, use other words. And when I said, no, we have to call it what it is. We have to call a thing a thing, name it so that we can claim it. That is when everything changed for me. And that is when my business took off. That's when my messaging took off. It's when everything took off. And it was that moment where I'm like, wow, this is amazing that I get to do this. Like that moment of clarity of like, this is the work and I get to do it. And this is freaking fantastic.
0: Amen, girl. That is, yeah. So, and you remember that, like, like it was yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you remember that no one can ever take that feeling away. Nope. like. Yeah. It's, and you'll never be the same, right? It's like a rubber band. Like you can never go back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Oh, so yeah. So we, we wish that for everyone, right? That they will have a pivotal moment like that, where they will always remember and it will be the thing that point them in the right direction Mm -hmm. and took them the rest of the way to the journey, which is kind of where we're going now. So, so that's great. And, uh, And I think that far too many people live their life and not have that realization, right? And again, I think it goes back to you, standing up for what you believe in, right? Like you could have fell short of that and said, okay, what do you think we should call it? Right? If we don't call it trauma, what will we call it? But you didn't. But too many times people will go through that and they'll give in and they will never have reached that moment in their life or business that takes them to that next place. Hmm. So now we're going to talk about the next place. So the next thing is the bad. So do you have a, something that you could share with our listeners about your journey that was not good and it was just darn right bad?
1: Yeah, it, it was when I realized that, you know, I had um, left these really toxic corporate structures uh, only to recreate those in my business. You know, I had created a mean boss out of my business and, you know, I was trying to work hours that were old and um, my revenue was tanking. Um, I was burning myself out again. I felt like I didn't even recognize the business that I was creating. I'm like, why am I even doing this? I don't even understand like what happened. Uh, why do I hate this? Why am I having the Sunday night sad, you know, feeling on, this is my business. Like it was not good. Um, that I was already dreading the thing that I had created on Sunday night. I mean, I left that environment not to do that. Right. And to not feel that way. And, um, So it got really bad about that point of, you know, I wasn't sure I wanted to continue. I actually thought about going back in and working for maybe another therapist in a group practice. And I felt really awful. Um, And I was ready to give up. And um, no one around me understood it because they were like doing the same thing, right? Uh, Not questioning the burnout that they were experiencing and hustling for their worth at every corner and every turn. And so I felt really alone in that moment of, okay, so I see everybody else hustling for their worth constantly. I see everyone else still working nine to five or 12 plus hours, like go, go work for someone that gives you a 401k and benefits. If you want to work that hard, like, <laughs> at, least, at least you have a 401k in retirement, you know, like that's not happening in my business. So um, yeah, so that was really bad. And and thankfully, it, it it ended up being a learning moment, but it was really not that great. And it could have gone the other way pretty, pretty easily.
0: Yeah. So that's my question. You know, that, that was really took you down. So what, Mm -hmm. what did you do? How did you get through that and not go back to, you know, getting another corporate job and just giving up on that dream of having your own business?
1: It was that, you know, it was, first of all, it was big, big magic. That book. like I said, changed my life and my business. And when I recognized that, Hey, this is your business, If it feels crappy it's because you set it up to be crappy and so therefore you have the power to set it up to be an empowering place for you and one where you get to be who you are not replicating what everybody said it should look like right that authenticity piece, which is so part of who I am, and it's a value of mine, and I wasn't living it out. And so when I recognized that and decided that if I'm going to have a business, it has to look the way that I want it to be, it has to be authentic to me and, you know, reflect my values. And I'm not going to do it the way that everybody else does. That's when it changed, you know, for me and really was the pinnacle of the work that I do now around examining those old experiences and how they play out in our business. And so it was some self coaching and inquiry. And that book, that book, that book, I just happened to read it that morning, that particular chapter at that time, and had that emotional or cognitive download, whatever you want to call it, it was that moment. And that book really changed everything for me.
0: That's amazing. There's a pattern here, right? So it was Brene's books that led you to, to get involved. And it was this book, Big Magic. That really, uh, really facilitated a lot of things. Yeah. Um, okay. So. And how
1: cool that I've got to hang out with both of those authors now in my life as a as a business owner. So. It is it's so, so cool. cool. Yeah. It
0: is amazing, and yeah, that is that is amazing. And um, yeah, but that, that just shows, you know, and the thing is they want to hang out with you too, right? Like, yeah, like that's the thing is I think we get into that imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. of like they're so big and they're so famous, but the thing is they want to, they want to hang out with authentic people who stand in their truth and fight for what they believe in. And that's who you are. Mm -hmm. That's what I admire. You know, one of the things I admire so much about you is how authentic you are, how you don't hide things that you, you know, you share and you share the real thing, not the sugar-coated thing, but but the journey. And yeah. I appreciate that. Okay, so this next part is the ugly. And uh, yeah, I know mm-hmm. that, you know, everyone has an ugly and everyone's is different, right? That's what makes mm-hmm. us unique again.
1: Yeah. Uh, but what, tell us about your ugly on your yeah. journey. So what can happen is that you can have an amazing you can have an amazing plan for your business be doing the work you're meant to do go train with your you know mentor and idol you know in texas and come back fired up and ready to go to build out all the amazing things that are ready for you waiting at your fingertips in your business and you can get diagnosed with a breast cancer right literally a week after you come back and then everything changes and so I I would say that when I think about my life and my business, that that diagnosis, like, you know, me, I always see two sides of everything, but getting that diagnosis was ugly. (laughs) Having to figure out what came next and feeling very resentful that I had to put a lot of the things I had planned for myself and my business on the back burner a little bit, also very ugly. And there's no two ways about it. Getting treatment for cancer is ugly. And so that's been my ugly for the past year is navigating what that looks like for me. And again, bringing who I am to the process and um, figuring out what does it mean to have a cancer diagnosis and still have a business. And can I just, this is ugly, but also cool. I made more last year of my business taking it easy while I was getting cancer treatment than I did any of the years before that. So I just want to call that out and tell you that that's possible. And I didn't work as hard. Um, And but it was still really ugly, like it's traumatic. I'm you know, it's still a little traumatizing to go back and think about what it means to sit in a chemo chair and to have it have your hands and your feet in ice because they're trying to keep the neuropathy at bay for 90 minutes. Sitting with your feet and hands in ice every week for 90 minutes is not fun while you're getting chemo, (laughs) so that's ugly, ugly with capital U, ugly,
0: and yet you kept going. You, you can you did not go down. You did not stop and you kept going. And like you said, you had your highest income to this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think like the only thing worse than going through cancer treatment would be going through (laughs) cancer treatment during COVID-19. Right. Yeah. Because that actually changes everything too and makes ugly, even uglier. Mm -hmm. So, so how did you do it? How did you keep your mind right and stay true to, your, to yourself and to what you had planned for yourself, even in spite of the delay? And I mean, listen, anybody would have bought your excuse, right? if you would have told me, girl, I have cancer and I can't do this, I would have kissed your feet and sent you on your way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, how did you not do that? How Mm -hmm. did you keep going? And how did you, do you even today keep going?
1: Yeah. So I think that what it boils down to is that first of all, I had created a business that supports me, right? I knew who I was, what my work was, um, and I had just started a, um, a cohort of an eight month love your business school program. And I said to them, this has happened. Are you in or would this be too much for you to manage on your own while you're trying to build out your own business, you know, and they all stayed. And so I had that co that group program, you know, during my treatment um, to keep me engaged, to keep me looking forward to something and I also put a lot of the dare to lead stuff and all the extra stuff, I put it aside and I said, you know, next year, next year, it'll happen next year. Um, and so I allowed myself space to have a little bit what was working for me and that what other people had agreed to be a part of, because I was like, there's no way I'm going to take them through this group program and expose them to me and my hair falling out and all this stuff. If they're not in it, you know, like they have to have consent here. Cause again, that's another value of mine is consent. Um, And, but the most important thing was, is that I decided what cancer meant and what cancer did not mean. And so I decided that when we think of the C word, we think immediate, you know, death and destruction. And I decided that that's not necessarily true and that cancer can be a healing journey. And so I decided that cancer would be that for me and that it was not going to destroy my life and be a a method of destruction and that it would be a pathway for healing for myself at the next level. And that's exactly what it is. So I redefined what cancer meant for me and then told other people what that meant, right? And we set some really firm boundaries for people at the beginning because honestly, I, me having a cancer treatment or diagnosis, I'm no closer to, to dying than anyone else. We are not guaranteed much, right? And so that was very clear to me at the beginning is what it was and what it was not and what I would allow other people to bring to my, my uh, doorstep about it. And so that's what got me through. And that's the long answer.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no, that was so great. That was so great. And I actually just had a conversation with a very dear friend of mine who is going through cancer treatment right now. And, you know, we were just talking about how cancer does not increase the death rate in the world. The death rate is still 100%. Every person that lives dies. But why is it that we don't start living, truly living, until we get that diagnosis Mm -hmm. and Then all of a sudden, I mean, we could die tomorrow, you know, crossing the street, Mm -hmm. but you know, but it, it, why, why is that? And that is the big question, right? In the world is why is that, that life's curious question Mm -hmm. that we're not living every day, like it's our last day and we should be. And I, you know, I'm on a journey myself to figure that out for me, for what that means for me, because, you know, I'm seeing so much of this and. I'm concerned, and I think that there's a better way. And yeah, yeah. so that is amazing. And again, you know, what I'm hearing from you is that you stood in what you believed. Again, you weren't going to let someone tell you what cancer meant to you, Mm -hmm. that you stood in, this is what cancer is going to mean to me. This is how I'm going to define this. And again, you didn't let someone tell you that trauma wasn't trauma, uh, you know, bottom line for short words. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is amazing, and that is a gift that you have that you are now sharing with the world through your programs. And honestly, I'm excited to learn more about that. So thank you so much for thank sharing you. all of that. And and again, like you're just brave, you just step into it, um, and I appreciate that about you. And I know that our listeners are gonna get so much out of this conversation today. Because you, you really are invincible in so many ways. Mm -hmm. So is there any, you know, I was actually thinking, I was going to say, is there anything else you want to say or any final words, but let's do this. Let's say, let's give some advice um, in a sense of, okay, you find out you have, you've been diagnosed with cancer. What step by step, like, give me, give me like five steps. What Mm -hmm. do
1: you do? So This is what we did that worked for us, but you can do is um, take a minute uh, before you tell other people because you need to understand what it means for you before you let the world know because they're going to tell you what it means for them and you deserve to not have to manage your stress about it and everyone around you, right? So you need to take a minute, be selfish with it and think about what it means for you. Um, And be very, very clear to the people around you what is okay and what is not okay because you deserve that. And also to know that you get to decide what cancer means to you. We have been conditioned to see it as a death sentence. And for many people, it is very serious. And for more people, they live with it. And it's not the thing that takes them out of this world. (laughs) So you get to define what that is. Stand in your sacred ground on what this means for you before you start sharing it with other people. That was the best thing that we did because then we had the language, the boundaries, the understanding about it before the world came for us when it came to this diagnosis. So stand your sacred ground and figure out what it means for you first.
0: Okay. That's beautiful. And then I'm going to ask you a couple more questions just to bring it out. So um, what would you say the scariest thing uh, from the moment that you were diagnosed, what was the scariest thing for you?
1: The scariest thing for me was that, you know, what I had feared my whole life came true, right? I, you know, I, I was an anxious kid. I've always been someone who was worried about it. So the scariest thing was that, hey, either I manifested this or I just always knew this was going to happen, you know? So it was that was the scariest part for me was that those words that you don't want to hear have been said. And now what that means. And this next scariest piece of it really was what am I going to do? Am I going to accept the treatment that they offer? Am I going to go my own way? Like, how do I even negotiate that? And how do I get people to listen to me when I decide when I make these decisions? It's very scary. Uh, The easiest part for me was to come to terms with it for myself, but the hardest part was to see how other people were managing it.
0: Yeah, I could see too that that could be the thing, with, especially in how you live so authentically. So what would you say has been the biggest blessing that has come out of that experience?
1: I know myself much better. Um, I'm someone who does a lot of personal development, but there was more work to do. I let go of a lot of things that still needed to be forgiven. Um, so a lot of forgiveness work, a lot of self-forgiveness work, um, I needed a next level uh, training on boundaries, which that came from this. It was such a blessing, um, but honestly, Cami, I was sitting there waiting to get blood work before I had even started my first treatment, and I heard this voice very distinctly that said, "We were not going to let you turn fifty with this stuff still needing to be healed and worked through, so this is your opportunity and so for the blessing for me is that i 've had all this time with this diagnosis and this treatment to do that work, to heal those next levels, to get to know myself better, and to know what really matters to me. Like there's a lot of things that do not matter to me anymore. Just the razor sharp clarity.
0: Yeah. It, I, I understand that that does change. When you mm-hmm. go through something like that, that changes your perspective on mm-hmm. many,
1: many things.
0: Yeah. So um, do you, I hear you have some good news to share.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had um, my screener last week. They did, you know, the screening mammogram. And um, there's no evidence, you know, from those mammograms that there's any new activity in the one breast or any other activity in the other one. So I have an appointment with my doctor on Wednesday to talk about what that really means. But in my mind... (laughs) It means I'm cancer free. Um, and that, you know, that nothing new has happened and that what we put in place between chemo, radiation, surgery, and all the things is, has worked and it's given us the outcome that we were looking for. So it's
0: good news. And that is amazing. And congratulations to you, Nicole, for Thank kicking you. cancer's butt. Thank you. <laughs> well, it has been such a joy to chat with you today. Thank you so much for all that you shared and all that you will continue to share and the impact that you're going to make on the world from now and what you've already done and going forward. And I just want to say to our listeners today, I don't know where you are in the world or where you are in your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do it.